Somebody say progress, progress. is good. If, uh, disclaimer before I get into the word, if you are not progressive, you will become possessive. You will become possessive of something that is old. I want you to open your Bible to Isaiah chapter 43. Come on. 43. Someone say this, my future... Is greater than my past. Now say it like you mean it. My future is greater than my past. Okay. Verse 16. We'll read this portion of scripture and then we'll open up in prayer. Are you there? Thus, not 10 in, in Hindi, says the Lord. <laughs> I really missed, I really missed preaching. <laughs> Thus says the Lord, who makes a way in the sea and a path through the mighty waters, <laughs> who brings forth the chariot and the horse, the army and the power, they shall all lie down together and they shall not rise. They extinguished they are quenched like a wick. Verse 18. Do not remember the former things. Nor consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? I will even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. The beasts of the field will honor me and the jackals and the ostriches. I don't know why those two are mentioned. Because I give waters in the wilderness and rivers in the desert to give drink to my people, my chosen. This people I have formed for myself. They shall declare my praise. And Father, I thank you God for your word. I thank you that your word is life. I thank you that you're doing a new thing in life. I thank you, Father, that what you have begun, no demon in hell, no human spirit, no human will ever be able to stop it. Father, this is a move of the Holy Spirit. This is your move. Life is your move. And Father, I declare right now that every person's heart will be open to the realm of the Spirit. Will be open to the new, new. <laughs> the new, new of God. And Father, I thank you for the spirit of wisdom, the spirit of revelation, the spirit of understanding, the spirit of might, the spirit of counsel, and the spirit of conviction to rest upon us, Father, as we hear your word. We thank you that your word is sharper than any two-edged sword. It is piercing our spirit. It's dividing our soul and our, and our, and our, and our bodies, God. It's, it's dividing like, like bone and marrow. It's dividing right now. It is setting apart the spirit and the soul. It is setting apart the soul and the body right now, God. That right now we receive into our soul what you are speaking into our spirit. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. amen. Awesome. So I want to tell you, um, as we start, that your future is greater than your past. It's a prophetic word, receive it, that your future is greater than your past. And I want to tell each one of you that God has a plan and a purpose for your life. 
God has a plan. It's a brilliant plan. Are you well? Better now? Good thing you came to church. Because I cursed all the viruses, all the demons and viruses, everything. Good you came to church. Because now before you leave this, this room, all, all that stuff will get healed. All right? So good. So, God has a plan and a purpose over your life. It's brilliant. We've heard it for centuries, I think. But not many people really step into the plan and purpose of God. You know why? It's because even though God has a plan and purpose for your life, He placed you in authority over your life. God will not force His plan over you. Neither will He force His purpose over your life. Okay. But you are the gatekeeper of your life. <laughs> okay? You are the one that God put in charge that has full authority over your life. Even God won't get involved if you say no. He's made all the plans. He's got all the purposes. All the blessings has already been released in the heavenly places over your life. But if you decide not to step into the plan of God, God doesn't get moved. He'll wait. For some of us, you know, we get, we're too busy caught up with all the nonsense from a young age. I, I want to I experience life. I want to go out and I want to experience. And then they go out and experience the clubs and the drugs and all that. That's not life. That's junk. I want people to love me. No. <laughs> no, no. Don't worry about people, man. God has a plan to love you and his love is so unconditional that you will never feel unloved ever again in your life. See, all you got to do is you got to fall into his plan. You got to like, yeah, just jump. And say, Jesus, I don't know anything. But I know one thing. That you have a plan and a purpose for my life. I may not be able to see 50 years down the line what life looks like. But I know that you have a plan and purpose for me today, here and now. Right? So today I'm going to speak from the subject of creating your future. So the title of my message is Create Your Future. Alright? So, Isaiah, God is speaking to Isaiah at a time when Israel was in captivity. Okay? This is kind of a strange uh, feeling for Israel because Israel has always been in captivity. It's kind of weird, isn't it, that, that, uh, that, that a nation who's been, I've called you as my own. You are like my son Israel. All these promises from, from Abraham and they go into the promised land and they're experiencing land of milk and honey and then go back into captivity again. Do you understand? Israel goes through this experience of captivity freedom, captivity freedom, captivity freedom, captivity freedom, all the time. Am, am I right or wrong? Right. Or just nod your head if you if, if feel like I'm saying anything correct that you agree with, okay? And so, what does that tell us? What it tells us is God is looking at not what you do in captivity, but what you do in freedom. Ooh. If he brings you out of darkness into light, he wants to know what you're doing in the light. If he brings you out of Egypt into the wilderness, he wants to know how are you managing your freedom in the wilderness. Yes. 
Ooh. Ooh. Because God is not like sitting there going, okay, uh, I'm investing into this guy now. It's like I'm going to invest in his visa. I'm going to invest in his passport. I'm going to invest in life. I'm going to invest in giving him good organs. And I'm going to invest in him, bring him to a good church. Do all of that kind of stuff. And he's going to watch. And he's going to, what, what is he doing now? What, what, when he wakes up in the morning, what does he do? Is he going to use my plan or is he has, does he have his own plan? See, because your plan will not work when God has a plan. See, because God's plan works best when you're free. Not in captivity. Hello? When you are, when you're caught up in captivity, God's plan will prosper you. His plan is to bless you. His plan is to give you everything. But while you're in captivity, his plan doesn't work. And so God pulls you out of captivity and makes you free so that you can experience his plan and purpose for your life. And Israel spent 40 years in the wilderness because they could not figure out what's God's plan for their life. Because here's a group of people who... God gave authority. God called them as his own, but they did absolutely nothing with it. They waited. Moses! Pastor Moses! Pastor <laughs> Moses! Moses, you tell us what to do. And God's like, hey, I want to have relationship with you directly. I want to talk to you directly. You are my people, not you are my people through Moses. Hello? And so God is talking to us live today and he's saying, you, you are my people. You, each one sitting in this room, I have a specific plan. And my plan is not to harm you. My plan is to prosper you. My plan is to give you a hope and a future. Come on, somebody. So his plan is that he wants to give you the future. But the problem is that if you're not looking into the future, you're not going to create it. So today I want to talk about creating your future. And so God now in this prophetic word to Isaiah, he's talking to Israel who's in captivity to the Babylonians. 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 <laughs> Babylonians, okay? And so Israel is really stuck in this place where they have absolutely no, they can't even hear God. And God raises up a prophet and speaks to him. Okay? And so to this prophet, he says, behold, I'm going to do a new thing. Wow. I'm going to do a new thing. I'm going to do a new thing, Isaiah. Tell the people I'm going to do a new thing. But the only thing that people know is captivity. So I'm going to, I'm going to, encourage you now, okay? I want to encourage you. You must know that if you're in captivity, God's hand of blessing is never taken off. No matter what, who is your captor? No matter what it is, he still calls you his people. See, when Israel was in Egypt, he would talk to Moses and he said, Moses, these are my people. They're in captivity. You've come from another country into this place and you feel like you are captive here. Like you have no rights. That's what it means to be a captive. That you have no rights. You are told what to do. You eat at whatever time. You sleep at whatever time. You go to work and you don't like your boss and your boss tells you what to do and you have no choice but to obey him. Hello? 
Am I speaking to anybody? Are you, are you a captive? <laughs> Let's say you're a businessman, because the businessman was saying, no. <laughs> Is your money that you have linked to your business? Is your life linked to your business? Which means if your business dries out, what, what, are, you going to, what are you going to do? What do you going to do? What? It's too captive. <laughs> right? We create all these things in our lives. And I'm not saying that business is wrong or your job is wrong. I'm just saying that we come from a place that we are captives. You can be captives to habits. Old ones and new ones. You can be captives to mindsets. Ooh. I think I am better than people. You know, uh, one thing the Lord is really removing from uh, um, just people in general in the church, and I'm speaking to the UAE now, just people in general, is uh, self-righteousness. Yeah. Ah, completely. He's just nailing it. He's removing it out of the church completely. And, and when this self-righteousness is being removed from your life, you would think like whatever you're doing is like, man, it's, like, it's not working, man. Nothing is working. Because when it works, you feel, mm, I did something. No, he's removing self-righteousness. And I'll tell, you some, I'll tell you one more thing, it's prophetically, okay? One more thing that God is trying to tell us, he's removing this feeling from the church. This thing of feeling. I can feel God's presence in the room. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> we, we love the feeling more than him. Hello. You know, when I'll tell you, maturing, maturity looks like this. When I was, when, when, before we got married, my wife and I, nobody else, but just us, before we got married, right, um, we, we felt we were in love. When my wife walked into the room, I was, my heart I felt her in the room. Do you understand? Yeah. But, you know, you can't, 13 years later, you can't like go by your feelings. There is a, a maturing that takes place from feeling to knowing. Knowing. I know her. I don't, I don't, I don't figure her out by what I feel. I know her. Because she lives with me. There's a maturing that is coming to the body of Christ. And starting, starting with our church. That we're not going to go by, Lord, I love the feeling of your presence too. I know you're in this room. I know you are here. I know when you move. I know when you touch someone. I know you are in this room. I know you. And that's why I worship you. We're going from a feeling-based to a knowing-based experience with God. So, <clears throat> that was bonus. Okay, bonus. Not Jonas, bonus. <laughs> so God now is talking to people who are in captivity. Okay? Captivity. He's not talking to free people, saying I'm going to do a new thing. Do you understand? And God gave us a prophetic word this year and he says, I'm going to do a new thing. And everybody's like, yeah, wow, God, what is this new thing? <laughs> if you're in captivity, you will only know the boundaries of your captor 
and you will not know what God is doing. Do you understand? So when when Israel was in Egypt, they only knew what the Egyptian people were teaching them and doing. And so when God decided to say, I'm going to do a new thing, there's a, there's, a, there's a sort of a condition before the new thing. Okay? Are you ready for it? The two conditions that he gives before he does a new thing. The first thing he says is do not remember the former things. Do not remember the former things. And he says consider, don't even consider the things of old. Not old people, do not consider the things of old. Now the two aspects that I really want to touch on, and if we have time we'll go further, but let's just see. The first thing really is about when God is saying do not remember the former things, he's, if you read the context of this passage, he's really talking about everything he did. He's not talking to people in captivity saying, hey, forget your captivity, man. Although that's the second part. But the first part that God is talking to his people, he's saying, do not remember the things of the old. What are the things of the old? The context in this thing here, in this, in this chapter, is that God brought Israel out of captivity and they come and they stand now in front of the sea. That's the context in what, what he's talking about here. The context is it's standing in front of the sea. They have nowhere to go. And behind them, there's Pharaoh and his army coming to capture them. So they're trapped. And God decides now to part the Red Sea. We know Moses did the whole thing, lifted up the stick and all that kind of stuff. And the water parted. Did Moses do it? God did it, right? So who did a new thing? God did it, right? So God did a new thing by parting the Red Sea. Oh my gosh, God! That was phenomenal, God. Can you do it again? Uh, Has God done parting the Red Sea again? So basically, what he's trying to tell his people is that even though I have done phenomenal things, do not remember the old things. Just wait for it. It'll, it'll, come, it'll come a full circle, okay? See, I'm not saying, oh, you know, we, we see God moving in people's lives and we celebrate the testimonies. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about when God does something, we look at the method of how he did it and we try to redo it again. Do you understand? So that's why if we experience praise and worship through one song and we experience the presence of God and we're like, wow, I'm absolutely blown away. Every day that song is on the song list. Hello. Am I speaking to someone? Every day I have to sing that song because that song becomes the channel through which I experience God. And when the song starts playing and the hand starts shaking and all that stuff starts happening, praise the Lord. Then sings my soul. We do all this kind of rigmarole when God's like, hello, I'm not doing that again. I'm on now. Are you getting it? Are you getting it? Hello, I've moved on. If you are not progressive, you will become possessive of what God did yesterday. 
And God is giving us the permission saying, 2019 was phenomenal. I did some crazy stuff in, in Life Church Global. But don't consider it compared to what I'm about to do. What I'm about to do is a new thing and it will spring up. It will spring up. And so he's saying now, don't consider that. Even though he did it, he's saying don't consider it. You know what, what Christians do really well? Is they make really good monuments. Temples, they build temples. Over, I've experienced God in a mighty way over here. So, because life moves on, God moves on, if I come back down this road again, let me build a tabernacle over here. So that every generation that will remember the testimony. Here are all that stuff they've taught us. You know. Remember the testimony. God never instituted that. Mend it. And so we, we have people now who build these little altars of, of testimonies where they've experienced God. And then now when they experience God, they move on. But every person that comes by saying, let me do what Jacob did in the wilderness. So maybe I will have an encounter with an angel and then he'll touch my hip. <laughs> Hello. Anybody's hips have been touched since Jacob? Anybody in this room? Anybody encountered the presence of God? In this room? Anybody put your hand up so I can... Yeah. Okay. You have, right? You have. Anybody having hip issues? So it means that God has moved on. He's not touching people's hips anymore. <laughs> Hello. I'm so glad that you are getting the word. Right? But, but the problem with us is... We have experienced Acts chapter 2, Pentecost. Holy Ghost came. Everybody, speaking in tongues and fire falling and all that. And we want to do the same thing. Let us do Pentecost again. God moved on. He moved on. No Pentecost at any cost. He moved on. He's moved on. So we think that we have to gather together and say, we are waiting for you. Come. <laughs> come, Jesus. Come into this room. Come and have your way. Come, Lord. Have your way sometimes. Not every time. But only when I say, have your way, Lord, you, then you come. You know how ridiculous it sounds to God? When he's saying, hey, I came 2,000 years ago. What are you doing with me in you? Because I've moved on. I'm not doing Pentecost at any cost. Do you understand? I've moved on. I do new things. See, if Christians hold on to Pentecost at any cost, we create denominations and become religious. Because... because if you hold on, if you're possessive about an experience, what you're saying is, God, I prefer the method more than the message. Oh. I prefer the method. What we're trying to tell God is, God, you are not the way. The method is the way. 
So which means I need to come and only 10% every month put into the offering. I'll come and I only sing if John sings, then sing my soul. If there's a new song, what is this modern music? I don't understand. God is not modern. He's the ancient of days. <laughs> the ancient of days. So then we can't sing these hill song songs and Bethel and all that. It's too, this is very worldly, worldly, very worldly. See, but God is, God so loved the world. God is worldly. Yeah. He's moved on. He's stopped sitting in heaven. He came down. What does that tell you? He's not fleshy. But he loves the world. He doesn't struggle with lust and pride and all that kind of stuff that, you know, the human behavior. But he's so full of love. He loves you so much that he just could not hold on to his glory. He just left it and he came down. And he said, let me be with these people. I love them. With all your junk in your trunk, he loves you. <laughs> Absolutely in love with you. So if you were to say, man, God is so phenomenal. He's so massive that he became as small as a seed. Humbled himself to a cross. Humbled himself to a human being, a body. Limited himself to flesh. But yet he overcame. Amen. He overcame. What does that tell you? That that your humanity can become your captor if you don't allow the Holy Spirit to flow out of you. Do you understand? Your humanity can limit you if you don't allow the Holy Spirit to begin to flow out of you. See, if you con continue doing, I'm coming to church, I come to church faithfully, then that's why God blesses me. Method, fail. Because God has moved on from method into message. We must understand that, that when God, when you want to create your future, you can't do what you did last year and expect new results to happen in the new year. Hello. Do you understand? You've got to change the scenery a little bit. Oh, not scenery. You've got to change the scenery in your mindset a little bit. And so in order for you to create your future, you have to choose not to remember your past. See, because you can, you can be in your past and walk into the promised land and your past has followed you into the promised land. See, you must understand that each Israel, even though they were captives in a foreign land, they didn't hold on to their own tradition. They blended with society. They took on the mindset of the Egyptians. They took on the mindset, the customs and the ways, and they started loving it. So, but the problem is that God rescued them out of Egypt, but Egypt left with them. Hello. So when people are captives in a foreign land, they pick on the habits. And those things that they pick on from a foreign land, they bring into the promised land. And they bring into the promise. And we think that, man, I can go from this church to the next church. I can change my girlfriend and get another girlfriend. Huh? I can change my boyfriend like that. Don't you, you don't know who I am? Huh? I can change my church. Pastor, if you tell me something I don't like, I will find another church. 
praise the Lord for please find another church if that's your attitude. Right? And we think that, hey man, you know, I'll leave this country. I'm going to go to another country. <laughs> it's prophetic, isn't it? Amen. Yeah. Amen. Your, your application is successful, don't worry. <laughs> no, your application is denied. <laughs> you, you are stuck with me. <laughs> you belong to me. Yes, we, yes. Yeah. <laughs> what was I saying? Application. Hmm? <laughs> we think that we can move into the promised land and, and you know, Egypt will just automatically be drowned into the sea. <laughs> Although we have come from the world sometimes, the flesh, is, that man who's dead is still pulling on your leg a little bit sometimes. <laughs> it reminds you who you are. And so God is telling his people, firstly, don't remember what I've done. Just If you want to look at the future, don't look at your past. If you want to look at your future and create the future with me, then don't look at the method of how I did things, but look at the message of what I gave you when I did those things. It's very important that you get it. In every miracle, in every breakthrough, every sign and wonder that God has ever done, there was a message in it. When we are captives in a foreign land, if we look at how God brought us out, oh, my salvation experience was, wow, I got hit by an angel and lightning and fire and thunder and all of that stuff. And, and, and you're trying to relive that experience in order to have an encounter with God, then you're religious. And God is saying, I have moved on. I don't need to electrocute you anymore. I don't need to send fire from heaven on you anymore. I love you. Hello. He's trying to tell you that I love you. But the problem with us is that we like method more than the message. Why? Because method makes me feel righteous. Method makes me feel like I'm doing something for God. So if I'm doing something for God, that means God is pleased. How many of you read the Bible where Jesus, even before he started his ministry, God said that you are my beloved son in whom I'm already well pleased. So to understand that to bring us out of captivity, God does a miracle, a sign and a wonder. But in that miracle sign and wonder, there's a message. And that message always points to a savior. He always points to himself. He's not pointing to you. He's pointing to himself. And he's saying, even though the waters were part, even though I bought fire from heaven and consumed, and all the people, all the people who were pursuing you got drowned in the water, even though all of that kind of stuff happened, there was a message that God was trying to tell Israel. And that message is that I am your Savior. I am your God. I love you. You belong to me. You don't belong to your captors. You don't belong to your habits. You don't belong to your finances. You don't belong to your business. You don't belong to your workplace. You don't belong to your husband or your wife. You belong to God. Come on now. 
So no matter what has held you captive, you know, we can't live in the past. We have to move on when God is moving on. Say move on. Come on, move on. (laughs) In order for us to create the future, I have to make a choice to not remember my past. I can't remember my captivity. I can't remember even what God has done for me. We're talking about creating your future now. Because the minute... The minute you turn to the experience, please listen to me. The minute you turn to the experience of how you had your breakthrough, that experience will distract you from where God is taking you. Because the tendency is for you to say, do it again, God. Because that experience was so phenomenal. I love that experience. See, the problem is we love the experience more than we love him. See, the reason worship leaders love the experience of the presence of God more than they love him. <laughs> same thing with musicians. Same thing with, with people who say, oh, I love worship. No, you, you don't love worship. You love him. <laughs> Worshipping God is not something that you love. It's something that you do out of a grateful heart. Do you understand? When we come into church and we worship God, we're not, we're not, when we sing to God, we're not saying, hey God, I'm going to connect with you through a song. I'm, hey God, these offering boxes are here. I'm not going to connect to you through my finances. Hello. He says, I am the way, the truth and the life. Not worship. Not a song, no painting, no offering can lead you to God. See, I'll tell you something. If the experience is so phenomenal, you're still a captive. Hello. If the experience of worship is like, wow, I feel like I'm in heaven right now. Still a captive. But if you turn around and say, hey. I just love him in this room. Now you're free. When you walk up to give your offering and you're like, hey, I'm putting this in there. This is your hand. I'm putting it in God. You're not just putting it in a box. You're putting it into his hand. You're not just singing a song. You're, you're pouring out your heart to him. You're using lyrics to pour out your heart to him. You can't just say, oh, you know. See, a lot of the things that we do Even though we say we are in grace, we're still religious. Hello. Come on now. And so God is saying, hey, just leave those methods, those old ones aside. And then he's also saying, leave your your old, don't remember the old things. What are those old things? Those are all the bad memories that you had. Can it hinder you from stepping into your future? It blinds your eyes from seeing the future. I would be, I would love to get to the place where Adam and God were walking together in the garden. And 
God recognized that Adam was lonely. He didn't, he didn't go to God and say, God, I need a wife, man. God, I need a companion. He was pretty chilled till God decided to make a companion for him. Right? He was absolutely fine. Life was good. <laughs> he was walking around naked in the garden. Nobody had a problem with the guy. Is a single life is the life, brother. <laughs> so God's like, hey, this guy's lonely. Let's give him a companion. So what God did, he made animals for him first. See, we're thinking like, oh, okay, human beings are like superior, animals are inferior. No, no, no. If you read the text really carefully, when Adam was lonely, God, the first thing God did, he, out of the dust, he made animals and he brought these animals to Adam and he said Adam what are you going to call them name them and so Adam gave, Adam gave them names all that kind of stuff but he's still lonely I have a question for you where did those names come from huh? Adam came up with the names he came up with the names <laughs> That's true. He came up with the names. Right? See, because prior to that, he didn't see any animals being created. He didn't say, God said, thus, you are called a lion. <laughs> so all the lions and all the little cubs that God brought to Adam is like, hey, lion, 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 no, liar, 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 liar. <laughs> he, didn't, he didn't do that. Where did this guy get this revelation from? Which means in your DNA... From the foundation of the world, you have the ability to create and co-create with God. And so God now puts the guy to sleep. He's not doing what he's supposed to be doing, man. Even though he's giving all these, all the animals names. All the animals names. Still lonely. So he takes a rib out makes a woman. Brilliant. God makes a woman out of a rib. You are skillfully made. Man was made out of dust, brother. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> Woman was made out of the rib. Wow. That is super creative, Margaret. I'm telling you. That's why my favorite cut of meat to eat is a ribeye. <laughs> and ladies, don't fall into this lie that you have to be skinny. Fat is good. Okay. Very good. Anyway. <laughs> I'm on fire. <laughs> Dear Jesus. Hey man. It's so good. I'm just trying to get you guys to exercise your neck muscles a little bit. <laughs> so. So God makes a, makes a woman. And brings him. Brings her to Adam. And you know what he says? How did he know? Because he was asleep. There was no like, he wasn't awake when Jesus, God was pulling out the rib. But he just inherently knew, this is flesh of my flesh, bone of my bone. Right? He gives her a prophetic word that till this day, I mean, can you imagine the creative ability of this man? 
He gives him a prophetic, gives her a prophetic word that lasts even till now. He says, man and woman shall live, shall cleave together. They will leave their family and they cleave together and become one flesh. Hello, the first thing that you do when you get married, what do you do? You leave the house. I'm hoping that you leave the house. <laughs> because you are not falling into Adam's prophetic words. Please leave the house. <laughs> because the Bible says that everything that happens in secret will become public. Leave the house. Make your own. Make your own. Make your own. Okay. Where did the guy figure out who this thing is? <laughs> no, but seriously. Because you just imagine, you're, you're new, you, this is a new creation. He's never seen it before. It's something new. God has done a new thing. And he brings it and he says, you're like me. Flesh of my flesh. He sees she was equal like him. God made man in his image and then he made woman in man's image. Come on now. And he looks at her and he says, you're just like me. You're wow woman. <laughs> Wow, man. Wow, man. That's what it is. Wow, man. Whew. I'm ready to leave. Now, all generations will leave. The husband will leave his father and mother. Wife, this girl also will leave her mother. They have to be together. He was like, no, 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 no. I'm not sharing this one with anybody else. Do you understand? Until today, it's still happening. What are you creating in your life? That you... <laughs> what, are, what are you creating in your life? Huh? That your kids are f literally walking in the same thing. They're doing exactly the same thing. What are you doing? That people in your workplace are looking at you and going, wow, man. I don't know why, but I just need to follow this guy. I don't know why, but I just need to follow this woman. I need to do exactly what they're doing. If you're creating, if you're co-creating with God, your life, if you're co-creating it with God, it cannot look like your past. It cannot look like your past. And in order for you to come out of the past, you have to renew your mind. You have to, you cannot use the method. You can't fill your mind with the method. You have to fill your mind with the message. And you, let me tell you something while, while we're, I'm down here. If your mind is full of your past, your eyes will be blind to see your future. Are you do, how many of you like psychology? Yeah. Good. I'm going to get into some stuff now. Psychologists say that... <laughs> psychologists, okay? They say that the human brain is a memory bank. Okay? It's a vault of everything that you did. 
it, it stores just, just storing every image, every experience, everything, it stores it. And I'm saying, not psychologist, I'm saying, Pastor John, Amen. there's a difference between your soul and your brain. Your mind is in your soul and your mind and your brain are two different things. Okay? How do I know this? Because Jesus says, when you give, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Which means your left hand and your right hand can think individually. Your soul is where your mind rests. Okay? That's what the Bible says, your heart. So the heart is not the organ. The heart is the mind. Okay? Get it, right? You're sharp. Very good. And so now... Every time your soul wants to think about something, your brain begins to send images and experiences of the past to the soul so that your soul can meditate on the past. And then you create your past in the future. Hello. I, do you understand what I'm saying? So your the past that you get too familiar with becomes your predictable future. Hello, this is psychology, okay? So if I'm fellowshipping with my past, not the pastor, past. Okay? i give you an example. Let me make it very real because I think some of you don't like psychology. Let's say you wake up in the morning, you're going through a tough time in your life. You wake up in the morning and the first thing you do is you think of your problems. Where did that, did that thought come from? Huh? Where did it come from? It's in your brain. From yesterday. From last year. From 10 years ago, 15 years ago. It was stuck in your brain. And so now because you're, you're, you're emotionally going through an experience. Every time you emotionally go through experience, your soul gets triggered into leading you. Do you understand? And so now you are soulish and the brain is like, ha, I have the data. Let me send you some emails as soon as you wake up in the morning. And as soon as you wake up, it's like bad news, bad news, bad news, bad news, bad news. Oh man, you know, bad news. Oh man, I have to do my email. Oh man, I have to, oh dude, as soon as you wake So you wake up in a foul mood. I know that I'm preaching to somebody good. Hmm? Wake up in a foul mood. Like as if you just like drank lemon juice. <laughs> this is not like the good one, but the bad one. <laughs> and so like, you wake up, don't even kiss your wife in the morning. <laughs> and you're, you're, you're literally, you're meditating on your past. And then what happens, you take out the, this beautiful device and it mimics your brain. Do you understand? It's called a cell phone. They say it's a smart device. It is so smart that it makes you dumb. <laughs> and so you take it out first thing in the morning. Tag, light is so bright. I was like, and you fight the light and you like, have to see. I have to look at what is on social media. I have to look at what is on Instagram. I have to look who posted what. I have to press like, 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 like. First thing in the morning. Let me tell you something. Everything that you look at on your cell phone is of yesterday. Everything. So we spend a majority of our mornings, Nigel, looking at yesterday. Hello. And we're expecting God, do a new thing. Today I'm ready. 
And he's like, you are the gatekeeper of your life. I gave you the authority for your life and you're dwelling with your captive, your captors. With your Egypt. We spend so much time thinking about the past that we don't even recognize when God did something new. So when God bought a miracle in, in Barry's life in his job scene, we're like, hmm, French claps. So good. Mm, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Cancer got healed. Mm, so good. Your French claps really don't even intimidate the devil. Mm, so good. Huh? Style. You have to put on style. <laughs> and so we have people who spend 90% of their day thinking about what happened. And then we come back home and say, God, forgive me of my sin. Forgive me. And he's like, dude, can we just move on? It's like, how long am I going to suffer with you here? Just imagine, your future lives on the inside of you. The message of every miracle breakthrough, the power of God, lives on the inside of you and you are living in the past. You're living in the past. And God's like, can you just get over your captivity story right now? Please get over it. Oh, I was in Egypt and when I was in Egypt, God came through and he parted the Red Sea. Oh, okay, praise the Lord. Okay, let's move on. Now what? What are you doing with the life that you have now? See, if you spend too much time in the present thinking about the past, then your future becomes like your past. But if you are in the present thinking about the future, then your future looks good. Your future looks, it falls in line with the plans and the purposes that God has for your life. For far too long, we think about husband. Husband, you know, that guy. And wives, and you know, sheesh, man, mom and dad, they just never change. They're always the same. Somehow inside I knew that guy was there. That old man. Somehow inside that lady, I knew that old man, the old lady was there. And we hold people by their past. People want to change. They're struggling. But we hold on. Hey! <laughs> hold on. And they remind them, you did this in 1975. <laughs> you did this in 1998. And you did, you said this to me. And you said this to my mother. And you said this to my father. You said this about my family. And, you, and the guy's like, what did I say? I don't even know what I said yesterday. And you're bringing up the past. And you're bringing up the past. And you think, we shall have a happy life together. Hmm? Hello? We'll, we'll, we got children and we'll have all of these things. And the lady is like holding on to the past. And she's like, oh, that man does not change. You're like, who told you? Is your words more powerful than God's blood on the cross? Huh? Come on. Is your word more powerful than the blood of Jesus on the cross? The blood of Jesus cleansed you of all unrighteousness. He cleansed you of your past. And he's given you a future. The problem with Christians is because we don't, we've not been trained to think about the future. We spend a majority of our time, because we have time. 
Especially if you're in life, you have lots of time. And if, you're, if you don't think about the future, you will spend a majority of your time projecting and prophesying your past. Your past will become your predictable future. We have learned to manifest our past in the future. A lot of times Christians are in the promised land because God brought you into the promised land. But while Israel was in captivity, God prospered Israel. You must understand that you can be in captivity and think you're blessed. <laughs> you can be in captivity in the new covenant, in grace, and think that you are blessed. You are blessed. Okay? But your cap whatever is holding you captive restricts you from being fruitful, multiplying, and replenishing the earth. It was never God's idea to create boundaries. It was never God's idea to create borders and walls and, and visa processes and passports and all that kind of stuff. Never. God wanted you to prosper and be in good health and be fruitful, multiply, replenish the earth. Replenish the earth. Your responsibility was to give back, not take. Do you understand? You can be in captivity and think because God is, is blessing me with my job and God is blessing me with my family and God has got this, all this kind of stuff. But the law could be your captor and you'd still be under the law. You'll be blessed but only to the circumference of the law. Only till the boundary of the law. You won't be able to break through from it unless you get the message into your mind. Not the method. When you get the message into your mind, now you begin to co-create your future with God. And so God wants us to co-create our future with him. If you are struggling with sin issues, if you're struggling with habits, I want to tell you that habit has rendered you powerless. That vice has rendered you powerless. Do you think you have to smoke that cigarette? If you have to smoke that cigarette, then you're a captive. Hello. If you think you have to eat food, you're captive to food. Let me wait, let me let me push the religious button a little bit. If you think you have to fast and pray, only then God's power will move. Captive. <laughs> See, let me explain something to you. Okay. When John the Baptist came on the scene, the Bible said that he received, it. the word of the Lord came to John the Baptist. What was his message? His message was repentance or uh, remission of sins through baptism. It's a physical thing. Come and get baptized. And then when you get baptized, your sins will be removed out of your life and you are become righteous before God. Do you understand? This is John the Baptist's message. Anything wrong with it? Why is, is there nothing wrong with it? Because it's a word from God. It was a new message. Because till then they were struggling with the law. So John the Baptist comes on the scene, starts baptizing people, and sins are forgiven. Sins are remitted. Okay? Jesus comes on the scene, and he says, it's not about baptism. He who believes. Amen. 
He who believes. All you need to do is not just get baptized, but he who believes will see eternal life. Do you understand? There's a progress. He moved. He moved. God did not get stuck. Let me do what John the Baptist did. And only that. When you do that, then that method becomes captive. You become captive to the method. So Jesus comes on the scene. He didn't reject John the Baptist. He's just saying, hey, the message has progressed. So if Jesus was not progressive, then he would become possessive over John the Baptist. And so now the churches, even till today, are still saying, you have to get baptized. Only when you get baptized, it's a public demonstration. Now we know that you're saved. Hello, who are we? I'm not G-O-D. Come on now. See, your relationship is between you and God. I'm not sitting as a pastor to certify. Hello, you are baptized now. You get entered into the kingdom. Come on. Get in. Just because you put your hand up. Now I have certified you before heaven and all the earth and all the angels and everybody, all the demons know that you're saved now. No. It's not like that. It's progress. We've come to a place where now it's not about the physical things. It's not about the methodology. It's about the message. The message. Why do you come to church? <laughs> Why do you come? Do you come to sing? Do you come because of this butterfly lights? <laughs> fluttering all the time? Huh? Do you come because of awesome stuff that happens? Good people? Let me tell you something. Every single person in this room, every person carries a unique message. Every person, you, you understand? It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter what your method is. What, matter, what matters is what is your message. Because I can take your message and I can renew my mind with that message and I can create a future with it. You can come into this room. The reason why you come into this room is because you, when you walked into this place, the person that met you first carries a message. Yes, Amen. If you're not looking for the message, you'll get caught up in the method. Yeah. And you were like, oh, today nobody came hug me, man. Why they don't, don't like me now? I've become a member of the church, so now only for new people? <laughs> Laughing, huh? Huh? <laughs> so the, the, please understand. When you receive the message and your mind gets renewed by the message, you are free from the captor. So now you're not looking for the message. You are the message looking to give a message. You understand? Every single person that walks through those doors, you're not looking for a hug. You're going, I'm going to give you a hug because I'm the message. I'm the message. I'm not just going to sing a song of revelation. I am the revelation of God to you. Do you understand? Whatever God has given you, whatever he has done in your life, he did it because he wanted you to get a message. And when you get that message and your mind is renewed by it, then you apply the word. When you apply the word, now the, you become the message. You're not just a carrier of the presence of God. You are literally... The presence of God carries you on the earth. 
I've heard. Do you get it? You're not just a host. You've become habitation. Because a host, when you're a guest and you're hosting people, they are only welcome till you host them. Some of my leaders come to my house from one o'clock in the afternoon and they leave at one o'clock at night. We love it. I don't have a problem. But we're just hosts. They eventually leave. When we say, I'm hosting the presence of God, we're saying, God, only for a limited time. You are welcome to stay here. Please understand, the, the indwelling presence of God never leaves you. Amen. Never forsakes you. And he attracts the manifest presence of God. You can live with the manifest presence of God 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. You can walk, you can live under an open heaven all day long. But you must understand that it starts with renewing your mind. Romans chapter 12 and verse 2 says, Yeah, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the... That word transformed, Finsim, that word transformed, you know what it means? Do you know what it means? It means to take another form. So Ellington, when Ellington walked into this church, he had a form. Six months later, different form. But he looks the same man, same height, same width. No, you're captive by humanity. That's why you're just looking at the humanity side of things. But when God begins to do something awesome in your life, he begins to change you, he transforms you, he gives you another image. He gives you another image. What is that image? It's the same message that you received. The message that you received in your breakthrough literally becomes the very image you take on. Oh, come on. Do you understand? And so he's looking. He's looking for a group of people. A group of people who are not caught up in their past. Who are not victims. Who are not helpless. Who are not, oh, I have to. I don't have a choice. No, you have a choice. Amen. You are way more powerful than you think you are. Amen. Way more powerful. See, we've lived so much in the past that we don't even have the guts to think about the future. We're so comfortable with it. Gossip is in the past. Huh. Did you know that? Did you know what Brother Angelo did? Let me tell you. Come, let's pray for Brother Angelo. It's the past. So you think you're praying for Brother Angelo, but you're actually creating, making the situation worse for him. Stop your praying. Start your loving. Please. Because all that gossip stuff does not really add any value to anybody. In fact, it makes the person worse. If you understand that you have the ability to create a future, instead of bringing up the past, talk about a better future. 
So if you want to talk about Nigel, you're going, Nigel, I'm not going to talk about how awesome you were yesterday, but I'm going to talk about how awesome you're going to be the rest of your life. I'm going to create your future way better than you can see. When people are blinded by their captivity, they can't see their future. And they need a group of people called Life Church Global to be able to see the future of the church in this nation and in this region. When churches are caught up with denominationalism and they're caught up with this thing and that thing and only do this and only wear white and only do all that kind of stuff and we play into it because of the fear of man. But when we stand against the fear of man and we reject it in the name of Jesus and we say every person that is in the kingdom of God, God has paid a price for them and we're going to set them free and create a better future for them. Now every Christian begins to be free. Come on, man. We don't look at the Catholics and go, ooh, they worship idols. No, why don't you just stop talking about it and just say, we declare that Catholics will start worshiping the spirit of the living God. They'll worship in spirit and in truth. They will stop being religious and they will start living the message. Why do we condemn brotherins and sisterins and Pentecostals and we do all that kind of stuff instead of rejecting them? Why don't we accept them and say, listen, you've been in captivity by denominationalism. Now let me set you free. You don't have to tell them and fight with them and wage war with them. You just have to walk around them and just say, hey, listen, I'm going to create your future. You, you don't even have to thank me for it, but that's okay. You don't even know what I'm doing, but I'm creating your future. I'm going to create a better future than your past. I'm going to do what Adam did. I'm going to create, I'm going to say something that generations from now will begin to, will begin to reel and will live in it. Do you understand? But the context of, of the renewal of the mind and transformation is so that you may prove. Sing, so that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So there's a good will, there's a perfect will, and there's an acceptable will. And it's our responsibility to create the new, which is perfect, which is good and acceptable. Why can't we create that in our lives? That people walk around us and they're like, man, I really like this. <laughs> I really like this about this guy. He's not religious. I really like this. I'm not going to put off by, oh my God, I came to church and she's shaking, baking, rolling around. Oh my God, I don't like all this stuff. Why can't we create something that people from the world can come into this room and feel at home? They can walk into this room and not think like we're some weird bunch of people. And we, we, you know, let me tell you, we're so self-righteous at times. We cannot change. We have, this is who we are. You change. Hello. Have you, have you know, did you notice in the, in the parable of the, of the goats and the sheep? Hmm? Did you notice that Jesus says, uh, angels will come and they will divide. We're too busy, Margaret, trying to sort out people's problems. When that responsibility is God's. You know what's our responsibility? Is to create a better future. That's it. 
He didn't tell Adam, Adam, can you please solve Eve's problems? This is, she's messed up, man. She's really, really messed up and all, all of humanity is messed up because of this lady. Can you please take her and give her some counseling? Just cover her shame by just giving her some fig leaves and just cover it up. God wasn't really, have you noticed, God's really not focused on telling people, listen, let me uh, deal with Kezia's problems. Okay? Pastor John, I'm giving you a prophetic word of knowledge. Deal with Kezia's problems. Because if you don't, I can't. They're too big for me. So can you go and handle it, please? I can't deal with all of this. <laughs> too emotional. I'm spirit. All I need you to do is just worship me. In sp- but only in spirit. No emotions, nothing. Do you understand how off we are? We're too busy trying to let me sit down. Let me fix your problems, Myra. Because I don't think that you're walking according to God, God's plan and purpose for your life. Suddenly, pastors and leaders have become all-knowing of God's plans and purposes for every individual. Hmm. Do you understand? And God's like, um, you know, every person here, I made them. I wasn't thinking, oh, there are two billion people, three billion people in our country, one billion people in our country. It's too much for me to handle. I need the church. I need pastors, leaders, fivefold ministry. They need to handle. God is not a man. He's not limited by a man. Do you understand? His interest, he has personal vested interest in you. Every individual. He looks at you closely, closely, watches every move you make. Everything that you do, you do it under him. Not to the church, definitely not to Pastor John. I don't stand responsible for your junk, brother. <laughs> That's God's problem. Cassie and I have, ah, we, we rest, we, we sleep really well. Just want you to know. We're not... I don't lose sleep just because somebody does something. In fact, I actually put my phone on silent. (laughs) Not even on vibrate mode, silent. Because if God wants to wake me up to tell me, John, raise the dead, somebody's dying, he'll tell me. That's my faith. That doesn't have to be your faith. Because he's done it. He wakes me up in the night and he says, hey, I want you to pray for this person. Lord, couldn't you tell me during the day? But then he says, No, pray for them now. The attack is happening now. The devil is at their door now. And I need to co create with you. So, John, can you create their future for them? Can you, can we, can we, because that person cannot create their future. Their marriage is in trouble because they're blinded by what is happening. Can you help me create their future for them? Why? It's because they're not giving me permission, but they've given you permission. Hello. High five. Do you understand? The way we do things is not out of desperation. We do it because we love. 
We talk to people and we say, hey man, you know, what, the, the scripture says this, why don't you apply? I'm not trying to solve your problem, I'm just trying to create a future for you. But we can, all of us are powerful enough to do it. But let me tell you something, you create your future in order to prove what is God's good, perfect, and acceptable will. Why is that? Why do you need to prove it, Finson? You can't just go through life just like that. Just like, no, no, I'm not oblivious to anything. You can't do that. You have to live a life that you're constantly proving God's perfect, good, and acceptable will. You can't just say, well, you know, I'm going to go to another country. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. If it's not God's will for your life, stay. Stay and prove. Stay and prove. You create, and then you say, wow, man. I created something good. Amen. See, the Lord, the Lord in, when life began, the Lord said, hey, listen, I'm going to do something new. I had no clue. I was like, what is this new thing, God? He says, take the first step. Why do you take the first step? It's because you have to test. Yeah. Baba, you open, open Romans 12, 2, please. Someone, anyone. Because you must read it in the scripture so you understand what I'm saying. You have to test it. If you have a renewed mind, the renewed mind opens you up to hearing the will of God. Baba, read it. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Right? So that you may prove. So when you go, how do you know you've passed from your, uh, what, what grade are you in? 11. So 11 to 12, what do you do to go between 11 to 12? Test. Test. So it proves that you passed your exam, right? right? So it's the same thing with God. If you want to prove to people around you that you are living in the perfect will of God, you have to test it. You have to test it. Oh, brother, the Lord said, test not the Lord thy God. Yes, brother, that was in the Old Testament. Now in the New Testament, he's telling us the new covenant. He's like, test. Test me and see. But you have to do it with a renewed mind. You can't look at it. You can't test God's purpose for your life in the future by living in your past. Your mind has to be renewed. When your mind is renewed now, you step into this place where nothing is impossible and you speak into nothing. Oh, come on. Do you understand? Your life, your life is in your hands. Your future is in your hands. The future of humanity is in your hands. Your marriage is in your hands. It's not in God's hands. Your hands. You're the one that he looks at and he says, hey, this is what my plan is for your life. If that's the plan, okay, God, I'm going to test it. So when we started life, I had no plan. But all I knew, he said, just take the first step. And when I took the first step, five years later, we're still taking that first step. Do you understand? We're still in this place where we're like, okay, God, what does the future look like, God? And he's like, yeah, take that first step. Take that first step. How did Peter know to step out of the boat? He had to take a first step. He had to move from something that was safe to something that is not stable. Something that was new. Something that was 
all over the place. But he saw his master. He saw his master do something new. Do you understand? He saw his master do something new. And when he saw that new thing, he was like, oh, hold on. I've never seen that before. That's a new thing. Jesus did exactly the same thing. When he was living on the earth, he said, I only do what I see my father doing. God does not do the same thing the same way twice. Come on now. So every time he looked at the father, he said, wow, you made water and wine. Okay, good. Let me go make water and wine. By the way, on a side note, if you don't know about this, there's a series called The Chosen. I would highly recommend that you watch it. Every episode, I had an encounter with Jesus. Every episode, I was like, oh my God, this, I'm going to watch it and I'm going to re-watch it, watch it, watch it, watch it over again. And it only costs 54 dirhams. Please, sow into that ministry. It's very important. Okay? Because otherwise I won't get to see season two. <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's so vital. The first episode is free. After that, you know, 54 dirhams. Please. It's important. Ken told me about it. But you must understand that if you look at your future according to your past, then your past will dictate a very bad future for you. It will tell you you are good for nothing. You are useless. You'll never get married. You'll never get children. You'll never do this all the time. And then you, you go and you go on your phone and then your phone also confirms that. You go to a psychologist, the psychologist will say, you're a horrible fellow, man. I don't, you have to do this method, one, two, three, all of this stuff. And then they give you all these methods and you never get anything out of it. But God is really calling us into a place of the new. What does the new look like for you? What does your future look like? How much time do you spend looking at your future? How much time do you, you think about your future? How much time do you spend on your bills? Thinking about, how am I going to make ends meet? How am I going to solve my son who is away from God? How am I going to solve these problems? How, how am I going to do this? And how am I going to do that? All these problems, pastor. And then you go to the pastor and say, pastor, please pray for me. <laughs> God is, is looking for you. He's not intimidated by how, how much of a visionary you are. So dream the biggest dream you can dream. Just dream. Think about a future that is without sickness. Think about a future that is without, like think about your day with, today I'm not going to sneeze. Today I'm not going to have a cold. Today I'm not going to cough. Today I'm not going to, this virus will not touch my body. Come on. Yeah, this, today God will provide all of my needs. I am rich man. Today, tomorrow, day after tomorrow, I will have more than enough to give into the kingdom of God. You've got to speak like that. You can't say, Pastor, please pray for me for my bills. Pastor, please pray for me. Oh, you know, my marriage is in trouble. You need to come to me and say, Pastor, please agree with me that my marriage is going to be awesome. That's the way you speak. You create your future. You don't create your future by looking at your past. Because if you look at your past, you will only prophesy a horrible future for your life. You got to look at your children and say, man, these children will walk in the ways of the Lord. They will walk in the purpose of God. They will discover the plan of God for their life. They will experience the presence of God for their life. They will not get caught up in methodology, but they will get caught up in the message of the gospel. Let's stand up. You did great. Thank you.